Listeners, hello, and welcome to another episode of Fun City Precious Cargo. We last left our heroes in space with a secret. So I had initially written a big lore dump here, but after thinking about it for a while, I've decided none of us needs to hear it. We'll return to Conifer, Mavis, and Debbie on their ship in just a second. But first, let's get them leveled up. Before we get into like game game, I would like to start with something we missed last time, which is in Offworlders, after the end of every session, you do end of session questions, which give you XP basically. Um, so at the end of each session of play, answer the following three questions as a group. Oh, uh, for each question, answer with a yes. Every PC gets one XP. Hey, look at that. Hmm. Remember, again, it's 10 XP for uh, a new skill or a proficiency, that sort of thing. It's all in the you can get on uh, DriveThruRPG for free, I believe. Pay what you wish. So go do that. Anyway, question one is, did we earn a profit? I don't think so. I mean, you know, yet to be told if we discovered profitable things, but we, yeah, we did not acquire currency. Yeah, No money was exchanged. I do want to go ahead and say, like, these questions are also built for a different kind of game than the one that we're playing. (laughs) Well, I would say this. Do you think we completed our job with the damage, like surveying, you know what you did do your actual jobs. Oh, yeah. okay, maybe we did. <laughs> I mean, are your jobs profitable? That's a question I would ask you. Uh, I don't know. What do they take from our souls? Well, it's tax season <laughs> in the real world here. I just did my taxes, and like every year, freelance writing is the most expensive thing I do every oh single year. I know, same. <laughs> All right, I, we could do it. Fuck it. We'll say that's a yes. Why not? You guys, yeah, hey. you, you do your job. <laughs> I'll take the yes. XP. You have the good deal with the ship because you own it. Like, fuck it. You, yeah, take the XP. Yay. All right, question two. Did we discover something new and interesting about the universe? Yes. I think the answer to that is a definitive yes. Yeah. Give yourself some XP. Mavis oh, yeah. is walking around with it inside their chest. <laughs> yeah. Ill, Ill-advised, probably. And the third question, naturally, is, did we overcome a difficult challenge or dangerous adversary? Yes. All right. Give yourself some XP. And uh, did you also mark all of your misses as one XP? Like you didn't. You guys rolled pretty well last game, which is. I did not miss. <laughs> I can't believe my players have better luck than me. <laughs> <laughs> I had some misses, so I have, ah. I have more XP than what we just received. Great. So let's get back into it. You three are back on your ship, the Jerry Jr., traveling to the unmarked planet. You have some downtime as you fly to the planet Navis. What are you three doing right now? Also, what do you like to do for fun? Mavis is bopping around to all of the different readouts in the ship uh, and doing just minor maintenance tasks. And in the midst of doing all of these maintenance tasks is bopping also into whatever screens are nearest uh, Conifer and Debbie and asking things like, you know, um, Mavis pops up on a screen near Conifer and it's the readout screen for a uh, matter extruder that makes food and you hear, Conifer hears through the little tinny speaker on the matter extruder, Mavis's uh, slightly high-pitched voice and Mavis asks, So... One thing that I was always sort of really confused about is whether or not when you're a family, if you have to like one another, because it seems like it seems like sometimes some people make it seem like you really you should or you have to. But they but they don't. And that's I don't. Is that how does that work? It's very simple. You do not have to like your family, but you have to be willing to die for them. Uh, Oh, die for them. That's kind of extreme. And Conifer is polishing a Tonto-style knife. Is like oiling it and, uh, you know, sharpening an edge. Can hear the grindstone. Like, I don't I don't know about dying for your family. Royal Flush! A little machine in um, Debbie's hands is blinking a win. Ugh! What do 
you mean? Of course, I would die for all my sons and most of my daughters. When Debbie shouts, Mavis's eyes rocket off of the little screen that they were on and kind of bumps off of a bunch of other screens and between them uh, as though uh, they got surprised and were kind of like rocketed to the front of the ship. Great. I feel like that is a satisfactory answer to my questions. The Jerry Jr. lands on the planet at a spaceport on the outskirts of a decaying city. You see crumbling metal buildings, currently overtaken by local vegetation, rusting metal, and melted plastics. It looks like this might have been a thriving place once, but it also looks like nobody's been here for hundreds of years. At your landing area, however, if you look around, you'll notice that there are signs that someone has been here recently. You see spent fuel canisters, metal shavings, and powered-on electrical gear. So the spaceport has, like, one building, like, sort of a shack, uh, and it has, like, a tiny little repair, like, garage right beside it. Uh, Conifer is uh, looking out the the window, says, Mavis, can you tell us anything about the ambiance, weather? Can we breathe out there? Uh, Yeah, sure. Uh, Let me check. Uh, Can I just roll maybe uh, tech to try to use some instruments to try to learn some things about the environment? Yes, although I am also inclined to just use the die of fate and just dis- like just see if it's breathable or not, because I don't actually know. I-, I-, I think this works either way. I mean, cool. I love die of fate. Do die of fate. Yeah, all right, all right. Okay. Do you think high breathable or low breathable? High breathable, low not? Mm-hmm. That sounds good to me. Fantastic. I haven't looked at it yet. What do you think it is? <laughs> I think it's in the, in the middle. <laughs> it is actually. It's three. <laughs> oh. Mavis says, well, um... I have good news and I have bad news. The bad news is if you went outside, you would die. The good news is if I went outside, I'd be fine. How is that good or bad? Never mind, Mavis. All right, Debbie, I guess we have to suit up. I got to get my pants let out a bit. You didn't do that on the journey? You didn't <laughs> So down. You think Debbie does things? She she would have nothing to complain about if she did the things. <laughs> a true, a true New Jersey mom. We love yeah. that. Weaponized incompetence. <laughs> exactly. But only for herself. Yeah. <laughs> Weaponized self-sabotage. Yeah, yeah, how does that work? <laughs> I think that's, yeah, that's a good term for it. All right. As you all are suiting up, you hear a beacon bot come from the depths of the cargo hold. And this one looks just like it's been through the ringer. It looks really rough. A bunch of the cables are broken and kind of hanging out of the midsection. And one of the arms is off and hanging by a (laughs) wire. uh, And it just collapses uh, as Mavis is attempting to upload their personality module to it. And then a few seconds pass and another one comes trudging out and it's in much better condition. Mavis says over the speaker... Oh, man, it's really, sometimes it's the luck of the draw. Uh, And then the beacon bot that comes out says, You know, you're no prize either. (laughs) All right, you're suited up. You've touched down. You walk outside your spaceship, and there you are at the spaceport. It's beautiful. This is a welcome sight. Yeah, it's like a, you know, it's like a picturesque sort of decaying city. Very, not cyberpunk, but not not cyberpunk. Uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, but it's like, you know, the, the, this has been abandoned for a long time. Whatever the local ecosystem is, is returned to whatever state it was in before all these buildings and shit came up. So it's, it's you know, everything seems clean and healthy. Uh, you just can't breathe the air. But the port that we landed on seems like it's, pe- people have been upkeeping this port. Yes. Mm. You can see that it's like in sort of regular use because, again, you see like these spent fuel canisters. You see like shavings in the metal, like in the the repair shop. You see like it's like very clear that everything is abandoned. But this thing is has somebody has been using it lately. Yeah. Conifer wants to go over to the repair shop and and look around. Sure. So you you, Conifer walks to the repair shop. You see it's like it's kind of like like, you know, those the shitty used car dealerships in Brooklyn that have like those shitty repair shops. It looks uh-huh. kind of like that, except for spaceships. It's just like lifts and like a bunch of rusted tools, a lot not rusted. But like you can see, like half of the shop has been like sort of in use. The other half is just like dusty and shitty, like rusted impact wrenches and stuff. Hmm. 
Good to know there's some equipment here in case something of ours breaks. Yeah. Again, there is another building that is attached to the repair shop. So strange. Someone's been landing here and keeping it secret. A little secret rumor. Figure we should check out the this building here? Definitely. Great. Fantastic. You go to the building, the one building that's there in the one place that you just landed. <laughs> you know, secret rumor is a pretty good name for a ship. <laughs> oh. Ooh. I can make that change when we return. Oh, Jerry would be so upset. He's so excited to have a ship name after him. I didn't tell him yet, but I was planning on it. It's so funny because I saw the frown on your face. I know, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, you go to the building. Um, there's not a lot there. It's basically just like a like there's some controls for like the spaceport landing stuff. Like you can turn on the lights or whatever uh, if you're landing at night for whatever reason um, and you don't have instruments. Again, it's all very old shit, um, but it looks like the, the break room in a shitty office. Like, it's just like there's terrible chairs. There's a table. There's like a little place where you can make some food if you really want to. Yeah. And on the buttons for the lights, there's a note that reads, don't forget the fuel canisters. There's a table. And on the table, you see like a it looks like a map, like a holographic map. Uh, what do we have here? Mavis approaches uh, as the beacon bot the holographic map and... Do they recognize it? Does it show anything? Yeah, it's very clearly a readout of the planet that you're currently on, but the local area. And it just it just looks old. Like it like this is outdated technology. You can tell what it is and what it does, but it's like looking at like, I don't know, a rotary phone for you. But you look if you look at it very closely, you can see that there's a point in the middle of the map and it looks like it's somewhere in the city. But it looks like what you're looking at is a delivery schedule. It's got like addresses and dates. You know, it's just mapped out right there. You can see somewhere in the city, there's a building that people have been going to recently. So there's like a little manifest and a map. Mavis lifts one of their mechanical beacon bot arms up and kind of pokes at the hologram and it distorts a little bit in the air. And uh, and they say, this looks important. Maybe the people who were here are going there. So... Debbie is looking at the note um, near the light switch, and is it handwritten? Yes. And she's trying to compare it back in her memory of, like, the other notes that um, she read on the ship. <laughs> Any matching handwriting there? Nope. This is, like, a somebody trying to remind another person who, like, has, like, works here or has been here or, like, who's coming through here. Like, hey, don't forget to hide the shit. Okay. Conifer is craning his neck to look at this holographic map. Mavis, how far do you think that is? Unfortunately, between here and there, there is no room for the Jerry June, I mean, secret rumor. So we will have to walk. It is not a significant journey, but it is also not short. No, it's too bad. We couldn't fit a form of conveyance in our uh, storage bay. Sorry. We could all jump on Mavis Beacon's back. I can walk a little bit, at least. Uh, The insurance policy allows one co-pilot to ride a beacon robot. Oh, shotgun. By all means, Debbie, go right ahead. And Conover just strides out the door. Two little, Uh like, shelves, like, almost like a pallet jack, Uh (laughs) lowers from the back of the beacon bot. uh, (laughs) And, yeah, you can basically be a backpack on the beacon. Yes! (laughs) It's sort of like it's sort of like the thing from Death Stranding. Yes. Yes. Does the beacon bot have to rebalance every so often just to make sure the passenger hasn't fallen off? Yeah. As they're walking through the city, Debbie hears every once in a while the pistons uh, in the legs working extra hard uh, (laughs) when it's uneven terrain. Uh, so on the way, you see, uh, like, again, lots of vegetation, lots of plants. You hear, like, bird calls. You can't smell anything, but if you could, it would smell, like, very clean and earthy. Sense that you don't really recognize because you spend most of your time in space, which <laughs> smells like ozone and boiling blood. Um, but, yeah, on the way, you see old ads for products you've never heard of, like, just things that you don't recognize that are unfamiliar to you. Or they, if they are familiar, they look a lot older than the things that you know. But the logos do look familiar. The logos underneath these, like, ads. 
it looks like the Kintsugi K, but it's just a lot older. Like sort of a prototype version of the things that are just on your spacesuits. Mavis points at one of the peeling billboards with the slightly recognizable uh, Kintsugi K logo on it. And it's all overgrown and dirty, but you can tell un- underneath the grime and the kudzu or whatever it is that's growing over it, there's this large like tube of something, and there's a snake of like white uh, cream or liquid or something coming out of it. And Mavis goes, I recognize that from when I ran the mining aggregate. That is a brand of lubricant that is not made by Kintsugi. To you, it's kind of like you've slipped into an alternate, older timeline. You hear animals you don't recognize, um, like you smell scents of unfamiliar vegetation. There's lots of vines, leafy ferns, good zoo. You travel over roads meant for cars with wheels. Eventually, after one significant walk, but not so significant that it takes up the whole day, you make it into the heart of the city. As they're approaching the heart of the city, Mavis asks, uh, kind of both Conifer and Debbie, is this a family vacation? Actually, Mavis, yeah, that's something that families do. They travel together. I love this. You know, you pointing at that sign reminded me of a trip with my family. You have a family? I don't talk about them much, but yes. What about the sign? What sign did you point at? That you pointed at. But you you said it reminded you of something that you did. Did you also point at a sign? I don't remember the sign, Mavis. It's just the act of pointing it out. You know, when you're traveling in a conveyance of some sort, you point at stuff. With your children? All right, Debbie. Let's move on. It's hard to describe because the beacon bot is just the face. is just a bunch of dials and readouts and stuff. But somehow you know that it's confused. So, uh, the address that was marked on the map, um, the building looks just as abandoned as everything else. It's in slightly better shape. Like, it's not, like, actively crumbling. But, it, you know, from the front, it's just, like, there's not even a door there. It's just a building. Do we sense any activity around? If you're asking, do you notice anything? The answer is yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, you, I mean, you, you see a bird, um, but also you, if you look closely, uh, you see like a the little path, like a desire path that somebody has, like that leads around the building. But it's like people have been walking here down this route. All right. It looks like that's the way to go, I guess. Shall we? Mavis just follows what seems like the obvious path. Yes. So you follow the path, right? You come to like this this thing that you you sort of recognize, but it's like you see a bunch of like rusting like metallic hulks, and sort of behind them, uh, like on a raised like platform, just a bunch of a row of like rolling metal doors. Um, some of them rusted, some of them are fucked up. Conifer goes over and like kind of knocks on one, like it crumbles, like <laughs> the rust crumbles into nothing. These don't look very useful. Mavis kind of does like a sort of, you know, trying to sense the environment a little bit. You know, they're a, a networked AI and can, you know, occasionally wirelessly jump between pieces of networked equipment. Is there anything that feels even remotely on or salvageable nearby? Yes. There's a couple, a few things, actually. Um, yeah, you notice above you there's electrical activity, but it's just like basic like building power thing. And below you can sense that there's much more activity on there um but you can see or like you can you can sense it and then you if you walk you'll see it down the line of these like rusted like fucked up vehicles you see like a a ship like a newer smaller ship that's just there mavis seeing conifer tap on one of the things and then seeing it just kind of you know part of it crumble away does tries to sense what's around and then uh, places a little reticle, like a little red dot in Conifer's uh, helmet heads-up display and then says over the radio, uh, this one seems to work. Oh, yeah? And he strolls over to check it out and kind of walks around it looking for any identifying information. Um, you can tell this is a lot newer. It's like a recent thing. It's like a sort of a small... It's a very small spacecraft. Um, it's smaller than your ship, 
it's like not made for more than a couple people, maybe a few people. But it's like you can tell it's space worthy. Uh, it can't go very far, but it is definitely a thing that you recognize from your timeline. And there's no identifying marks on it. It's just like this is a Kintsugi branded ship. Yeah, he knocks on the logo and says, one of ours, huh? What's this doing here? Where are they if they operate this thing? Hmm. Mavis wants to try to open whatever, like, loading door or, you know, whatever, how, however it is most obvious to get inside. Uh, sure. Mavis is going gonna, is gonna to give it a go, whether it's mechanical or wireless. Let me know if I should roll pilot or tech or anything. Yeah, you know what? I think you should roll... Um... Probably intelligence. Yeah. And then if I want to re-roll. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, intelligence and pilot. That sounds great. Oh, boy. Yep, yeah, going to re-roll one of those. Yep. Six, seven, eight. That is a mixed success. Fantastic. I will take it. Yeah. Um, so you can immediately tell how to get in. Mm. Uh, actually, you know what? Yeah, fuck it. You can get in there. Yeah. You open the door. And it's cool as hell inside. Except it can't actually fit your frame as a beacon bot. You're, a little, you're just a little too big. You're a little too big. Mavis tries to you like can, like, duck you can down crouch and down, sneak in, but there's just and hits. De- is, he- is Debbie still on Mavis? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will. Basically, <laughs> what I'm saying is, it's too small in that it's this thing is basically just a couple seats and nothing and an engine. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like a speeder almost. Yeah, it's a little Got guy. It. Okay, so I guess like Mavis kind of you know. Uh, thinks about it for a second and the beacon bot you know you see a bunch of the readouts change and the hatch on this thing opens but it becomes clear that you know at, at the very least the beacon bot isn't going inside of it debbie looks around the corner from the back and is uh looking inside ah it's kind the tiny ship i would love one of these for my own just a nice little tiny ship i could go on vacations with it is small enough that it would be appropriate to name it a junior Oh, yeah. Now this is the Jerry Jr. Oh, we're going around naming other people's ships now. Sure. Uh, You hear the sound of information flowing through the air, and then a hologram that you recognize from your ship pops up over. I'm going to make you roll for this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, I'm going to roll for it. Because I think that is funnier. Uh, 11. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. It's your ship. Yeah. <laughs> Little hologram pops up and spins around and it says Jerry Jr. <laughs> now that Jerry's going to be very happy. I like they've committed to stealing this already. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Mavis, this could fit in our bay, but there's, there's a lot of uh, bodies in there taking up space. I, I could get rid of some of them. Well, we'll discuss this later as a family. Oh, that is sweet. Great. So while you've been looking around, uh, you you at some point also notice like a door that is just different than the other doors. It's like it, it's like not a rolling door. It's just like a door door with a handle. Not a lot of handles in space. I don't know, man. And again, Mavis, you know that there's electrical activity up and down. Uh, Mavis communicates this to the crew, says that there's, you know, it feels like there's stuff upstairs and downstairs. There's more stuff, there's more stuff to see. Very yeah. exciting. Which direction would you like to go first? Why don't we check out the upstairs? Yeah, I I would love to add to my collection. Stealing shit now? Of spaceships? Yeah. I like that you're you're murder hobos. (laughs) (laughs) You have a home, but I don't know. (laughs) Grand larceny hobos? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Uh, it's kind of like once they stole that, like, that weird piece of whatever. The vial. Yeah, Yeah, the Mm -hmm. vial. Now she's like. She's like addicted to to the hunt. And she steal. had a taste of crime. Exactly. High. Now she's like, yeah, she's on a high. Let's take Bruh. some stuff. Is this the first time Debbie's ever stolen anything? No, definitely not. She okay. has. <laughs> I was gonna say this is she's just this shoplifted is... a lot in her life. Right. Wow. This is just lore for the for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you, you just flash back, and we're in the you know the kitchen area of our ship. Debbie, where did you get that? <laughs> Don't ask questions. Friends, listeners, off-worlders, Mike here to let you know that you are standing on the surface, the surface of a vast, vast ocean. 
of audio. That's right. Fun city, float city, cozy city, precious cargo are but a thin membrane atop oodles of sounds for all of those ears. Chatties, side games, one-offs in other game systems. Did you know that we have a Mork Borg series? All available at patreon.com forward slash fun city ventures. And this doesn't even begin to mention the live streams, the patron-only merch, or the Discord, which I can only describe as good as hell. Patreon.com forward slash fun city ventures. Dive in, dive deep, come join us. The water is fine, and I promise that this isn't like a Solaris alien ocean planet thing where we'll ruin your brain for for real. There's just a lot of really great stuff in there for mere dollars a month. Okay, bye. All right. So you go through the door. Uh, What you see... It's a cargo elevator. It has power. And you said you wanted to go up. Great. It plays music. And you start moving upwards. So, uh, you can see that there are floors there, but you like you can't actually hit any of them. Like all it, like you get in, you press up, and the elevator goes up. Passes all the floors because none of the other floors have power. The elevator deposits you in a large room far above the city. Uh, you can see everything from up here. And you realize the city is actually pretty small, even though it's all fucked up and stuff. There's not that much in the distance. It's just, a, again, a really healthy ecosystem. No one's been here for ages. But in this room, you immediately see art on the walls. There's four paintings and a desk. Think penthouse suite. Windows all around. Art? Desk. Well, 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 what do we have here? And Conifer is whistling as he walks over to the art. Because you don't really see that. Yeah. Mavis feels bad having had Debbie look backwards the entire time that they've (laughs) been walking. So Mavis actually leaves the elevator with Debbie pointing forward. (laughs) Wow, look at the art. Wait, you've been on Mavis the whole time, oh, yeah. and we're yeah, just like. Never said, she never said she got off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Can we hear what these paintings look like? Oh, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> okay, so there's four paintings. Uh, they each have plaques that will, you know, if you get close enough, will voice activate or like movement activate and tell you something about the paintings. But there's a picture of a man. There's a picture of a bird. There is a picture of an unfinished logo. Uh, and there's also a picture the, of a thing that looks kind of like a virus, except it's made out of metal. These, sorry, these are all paintings. They're not pic- paintings. You can tell this was like expensive, corporate luxury kind of thing. Interesting. What do these all have to do with each other? Are you saying Conifer goes up to one of the paintings? Absolutely does. Fantastic. Which one would you like? The bird. Fantastic. All right. So Conifer gets closer to the bird painting. And it's like, it, it looks kind of like an eagle. It's just like more tufted. I'll leave that for you to imagine. And the plaque says, In this image, the artist wanted to imagine what it would be like to see this extinct bird up close. Extinct bird? And uh, obviously, on your walk over, you saw this bird. You, you would recognize this bird from your walk. Oh, like outside, like the actual living bird oh. itself we saw outside. Mm-hmm. It's not extinct, right? We just saw it. Huh. Now, who's this handsome fellow over here? Debbie gets close to the man. Debbie, oh, Debbie yeah. walks toward the painting. And you could tell his jawline is like, it's, it's uh, C-suite, you know? Uh, <laughs> and the voice says, J.J. Hines, CEO and inventor of the K-Method. K-Method? Is this something any of us have ever heard of? I'm going to roll for that because I, I don't fucking know. Uh, Mavis in the Beacon Bot walks towards the thing that looks like a virus, but made of metal. Fantastic. The voice says, The first nanobot Kintsugi developed. The painting was commissioned for the year-end executive luncheon this year in honor of its unveiling to the public. This is the future of Kintsugi. Is any of that surprising to us to hear? Extremely. What about it is surprising? The existence of nanorobots? Yes, um, because... You know, this is like not technology. Like, can, you, as far as you know, Kintsugi has never developed these things. 
What kind of facility do you think we're in? It doesn't make sense. Are we in the past? Are we in the future? Things that were extinct are no longer extinct. This place was unmarked, so beats me. I will give you the fourth picture. I know you didn't yeah. go next to it, but ah, it's, this is a gimme. It's a picture of an unfinished logo. Kind of, a, It's like a diagram, almost. like a. You know how they, they construct fonts with all the lines and shit? Oh, yeah. Uh, the plaque says, The first iteration of the Kintsugi Crest, done by J.J. Hines himself. Ah, uh, so it seems like the person in charge was also a designer. Yeah, made the R method and probably was behind these nano robots. Is that what it said? Was it K method or R method? K, K method. <laughs> Yo, I get my K's and my R's always confused. They look so similar. If you connect the top of the K to the other side of as, the line. As Debbie is describing letters, Mavis walks towards the, you said there was a desk too, right? Yes. Yeah, maybe it's all sorts of dust. It's extremely <laughs> dusty. Um, it's like a designed desk. This is a piece of capital F furniture. Mm. It does not have any drawers or anything. It's just like a, it looks like a park bench except scaled up. <laughs> this is like where an important person sits and that's the only role yes. that this piece of furniture plays. Exactly. There's like, you can tell, you can tell that no actual work has ever gotten done at this desk. Yeah. So we, we are used to seeing like, you know, just very pared down stuff in our workspace. And so this is like very out of the ordinary. Yeah. It's like weirdly opulent for you guys. Debbie wants to take a more of a look outside the window, mm -hmm. kind of at the surrounding city. Um, sure. She wants to see if there's anything that's like maybe out of the ordinary for a city, like something that just like wouldn't add up a building or like mm -hmm. um yeah so you don't you don't actually see anything out of the ordinary because it's like it's just like the city for for a sophisticated because you walked through a lot of it for as sophisticated mm -hmm. as it is it's like kind of small for whatever reason mm -hmm. like it, it it seems like there were a lot fewer people living here for a, a city this like intense and intelligent there should have been a lot more people here but you can right. tell that there's not that many buildings. There's you see apartment buildings that are crumbling. You see like intact furniture and all this stuff. Yeah, but you, you don't like it's not very clear why that might be. So that desk had nothing on it. No. Yeah, Conifer uh, runs a, a gloved finger over the desk and is like, "Doesn't seem like anybody's been up here." As Conifer does this, he sees Mavis's eyeballs that he recognizes from the ship show up in the little heads up display in his helmet and in Mavis's normal voice you hear Mavis go hey sorry uh, that guy is just it's hard to talk as the robot all the time is it okay if I network with your suit of course um what wait what's the do you know what the k method is we've never made nano robots right I don't think so I've never heard of it unless it was a secret project a Who's secret project that no one told me about Sorry, Debbie, sometimes people don't tell you all their secrets. Ugh. I think you would know that it's, like, public knowledge. It's it's just, like, in the corporation, this is not something that this company has, has ever, ever happened. happened. Yeah. Um, do you know who that who that Heinz, Heinz guy is? Never heard of him. Nope. What is this place? Yes, we should check out uh, the rest of the building. Yeah, I'll send the Beacon Bot downstairs. Let's follow. Yeah. Yeah. The beacon bot just kind of turns around and starts walking towards the elevator. I like that Mavis just gave up. It was just like, nah, this is too much effort. I'm done talking yeah. outside of the suits. <laughs> That's AI privilege. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. You get back in the elevator. Uh, I assume you're going down. Yes. Mm -hmm. And for the narrative convenience, uh, we, there, again, there are no other floors that have power. Like, the elevator just goes. It's like lobby and penthouse. That's it. And then, below lobby, there's below, and, you know, it's basement. Sub, sub basement. It's just, yeah. it's, no, it's a regular basement. Okay. Yeah, regular basement. It's like, it's not like secret. This is just like, a, this is clearly an office building. <laughs> uh, the doors open onto it's like a blinding sort of harsh white light. And you see a few different hallways. There's one going left, one going right, one going straight forward. The air is not breathable. But yeah, it's just like it looks spotless. So you see like a hallway. Um, the lights are very bright, like like hospital sort of white. And there's three directions you can go. This seems a little too clean. 
Yeah. Interesting. No dust down here? None. Well, where should we go? The beacon bot went into the elevator kind of without any circumstance, just sort of did its thing. And when the doors open, it starts to walk and sort of seemingly methodically just turns left and starts going. All right, let's go left. (laughs) Debbie jumps on the back of the Mavis bot. She was off it, but she's back on it. And then as soon as Debbie does that, uh, Conifer hears uh, Mavis's normal voice in his heads-up display go, Oh, uh, okay, uh, bye. And then <laughs> you see the little disconnection light go on. And, uh, yeah. I like that Mavis can't do two things at once. That's great. <laughs> I, we love a limited AI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Listen, I have a whole backstory of all of the laws that were written that <laughs> allowed Mavis to exist I, and what, you know, why they were kicked out of the aggregate of mining equipment that they were running for however many eons. I can't wait. We love this bonus content. I certainly can't yeah. wait bonus for that. Content. Yeah. If, if, uh, if you want some bone cone, let us know. Mike will just lord up. That's it. <laughs> uh, that's all I can promise you. Great. I will write basically. Basically, my version of ancillary justice. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you you walk down this this left passageway, and it opens up into a big room. It's a room big enough for like fifty people, and you see just like uh, on one wall, there's like counters and stuff. It's all spotlessly clean. Um, on one wall, there's a, just a rack of uh, clean room suits, and on the other wall, there's like a, a rack for places to put your suit. To change. This is a changing room. Interesting. Maybe you should put those on. Mavis, what are you talking about? I can't breathe out here. Debbie and I would die if we changed suits. (laughs) Oh, I forgot. Yeah, you would. (laughs) Fucking robots. Great. What do you do next? We look around the counters. Yeah, great. There's nothing there. I'm still going to check the suit pockets to see if anyone left anything in there. Um, or, you know what? Let me roll a die. Or do they have names on them or something? Or? Oh, they do have names on them. That's a good question. Oh. We got Rose, Lily, Chrysanthemum, Hyacinth, Orchid. It <laughs> <laughs> was a pattern. Here. Ah. Incredible. Uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you, you just see the names of flowers. Debbie goes, okay, if we run into anyone down here, I'm Orchid, Beacon, you're Lily, and uh, Conifer, you're Rose. Your thing. Affirmative. Fantastic. Now in the Beacon bot, Mavis thinks, well, we started doing it this way. Why not finish doing it this way? And they go back out the door that they came in and start to go straight uh, from the elevator. To the right. Fantastic. Um, Yeah, so you see a server room. Lots of huge banks of computers here. Um, but all of them are off, and there's like a thick layer of dust here. Hasn't been touched in for as long as everything else in this building. Hmm. No, like, no obvious turn it, big turn it on switch. No, no. And it's also, it's just like, you can, this is outdated computer gear. It doesn't, like, you can tell it was used for something very processor intensive once, but like, that's about it. Mavis, would you know anything about these? Uh, it is very old. Hmm. None of this would be useful to us. By the way, what's your signal strength right now? Can you communicate with our ship? Let me try. Mavis tries to communicate with the secret rumor. The answer is... (laughs) Great name. Uh, The answer is absolutely yes. Signal strength, 100%. Okay, you know, just in case we have to run out of here, might need to summon our ship. New name confirmed. (laughs) I'm sorry? New new name confirmed. What did I name the ship again? Secret rumor. Right. You know with confidence that you are not seeing it. There is a spinning hologram in the on the bridge of the ship that's describing the new name Perfect. that it has just been given. You're very thorough, Mavis. I, I am incapable of forgetting. <laughs> Except the thing where you guys would die if you bre- never mind. <laughs> Great. Okay. So I'm going to assume you go down the straight path now that you've seen everything. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at this great design. Game designers, take note. Um, <laughs> yeah, so when you move back into the, the center, basically the hall where you, where you started in front of the elevator, you hear this deep thrumming, and it's coming from directly in front of you. So I assume you move toward the thrum. Yes, because there's nothing mm-hmm. and there's nowhere yes, else please. to go. So if you move toward the thrum, 
You just walk, and then it suddenly opens up into this giant room. Like, tons of computer banks, monitors, shit. It looks like a NASA control room. And in the center of the, in the, the center of the room, what takes up most of the room is a giant glass cylinder. Or a giant cylinder that looks like glass that also looks like the twin of the cylinder that is inside Mavis. Wow! Um, and so you can see through the cylinder, um, and it it's, looks like it has some sort of liquid in it, but it's filled all the way to the top, so you can't actually tell if it's, like, full or empty, except for it's kind of blurry on the inside. It looks like sort of a, like a heat haze or a mirage just floating there. Ooky. You can tell. It feels like it's got a non-Newtonian vibe. You f- you're just like, ah, that's, yeah, that's a fucked-up-looking liquid. I don't like Let's that. Let's what I can stand on. Yeah. This is, that's, <laughs> you know what? That's for the audiences at home. Hey, imagine that. Think about it. Um, do you walk? Do you investigate? Do you walk toward the, the giant thrumming cylinder? Hmm. Mavis, can you communicate with anything in this room? Let me try. If they are available, then Mavis definitely wants to try to yeah network themselves into this thing to figure out what this is. I think especially because they're curious about... They have this the thing in their chest. This large vat is obviously related to that. They want to know what that is, thinking maybe, you know, the networking to the computers associated with it will help. So, yeah, 100%. Great. So what happens is you recognize this network. Like, it's it's like a local area network or whatever. But you recognize that it's a Kintsugi network. Like, as an AI contractor with a company, you know, like, you, this is very familiar to you. So you jump into the computer, um, the, the networked computer that is running all of this. For simplicity's sake, one computer. <laughs> And what you find is just like a system architecture. But like, it's very obvious that there's like, you can tell that there are a lot of processes like running the programs that control the machines that maintain the thing that is in the cylinder. And like, you can see the schematics and stuff. But you also see like a description of the program, like the, the program of operation that's happening here. And so in those documents, you see, you find that the thing in the vial is an updated version of the nanomachine that you saw. The idea is that it's sort of an undetectable killer. It infects an entire population silently, without symptoms, and then the people who control the machines decide when that population dies. You can also see that historically, it was tested on this world. This was a corporate Kintsugi planet hundreds of years ago, which is why everyone is dead. Kintsugi scrubbed it from the records, they unmarked the planet from the maps, abandoned this thing's development because it was out of control. Conifer and Debbie see Mavis's eyes show up on one of the small, older, sort of grainy readout screens on the bank of computers that are around, start to dart around. You see these instruments light up and you see the eyes pop here and there, and then they stop on one larger screen on the other side of the room and kind of hang out there for a little while. Like, kind of after a little while, start to vibrate, maybe like kind of start to sag a little bit. And, uh, you know, they're not as animated as they once were. And then both of you in your heads-up display and your helmets see the eyes pop up and Mavis goes, Um, I think I figured out what happened here and it's not good. So Mavis describes to uh, Debbie and to Conifer that the thing that is in their chest and the large vat are one and the same, that it is a sort of nanorobot swarm that is a planet-wide killer, like a a sort of virus. And then also describes another thing that they read in the document, which is that since Obchillo is about to reveal this massive weapon that gives them a seat at the council, that it looks like the reason this stuff is on, and maybe the reason there are other people here, but it can't be sure, is that Kintsugi is going to restart the program and is going to use this nanomachine swarm as the weapon to attempt to get them a seat at the council. And I don't know, kill a whole other planet? That's what happened here. Oh, that's not good. And Mavis is like, you know, describing all of these things, getting kind of nervous and excited and being like, you know, I don't, what do we, what do we, what do we do? I, I, all I know how to do is network and machines together. And it is together. at this moment that a person pops out from behind the cylinder. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh. 
Uh, they're wearing. Hello. They're wearing a suit. Uh, it's not a clean suit, but they're wearing a, a space suit that has a little like a patch on it, like you know the old school mechanic suits, and it says Buttercup. Um, and you can tell that they were just tinkering with the electronics or something. They were doing something back there. You don't know what it was. Buttercup is extremely surprised to see you, but also not that surprised. They were expecting someone. They say, "Do you, do you have it? Give it to me. I need it right now." Did you shield the sample? Where are your suits? When this person shows up, Mavis disconnects from Conifer and Debbie's suits, goes back into the beacon bot. And when they ask, do you have it? Have you shielded the sample? Whatever. The beacon bot just is motionless. Buttercup sees this and says, wait, you don't know why you're here or what that is? How did you get in? Who are you? Who do you work for? It's dangerous to even know about this. You're not supposed to see this. We were just answering a routine call nearby, and these coordinates were uh, set to us. Do you know what this is? No, I don't. I don't even think I want to know. No, me either. None of us know anything you have... about this program. Uh, you can see Buttercup moving uh, to the right of the room, and uh, they ask, do you, do you have the sample? Where is it? Give it to me. Listen, I think we're all just a little confused here. You want a sample, I'm hearing, but we, we're just, we're just, uh... How else would you have just, gotten here? Oh, we simply followed coordinates. Where did you get the coordinates? Oh, we were inspecting damage in a battle area nearby, and these coordinates popped up on our display. Battle? There was a battle? Excuse me? There was a battle? Is the sample yes, safe? just outside. Did it get out? I do not know what you're talking about. What sample? The thing what? that looks we like the thing in this thing. They point to the cylinder. And the conifer kind of uh, whispers, Mavis, remember what I said about keeping secrets? The beacon bot can't really whisper, so it just goes, yes. Um, and so what's interesting is uh, Buttercup just drops this, and you can tell that they're close to a desk and they press a button. Does Mavis notice anything happening or do we hear anything happen? Yes. So what happens is the room's locked down. Like roll gates slam shut. You three are trapped in this room with this person. Oh, that's unnecessary. I can't let you leave. I think we got off on the wrong foot. Let me introduce myself. My name is Debbie. Debbie, don't. And she's walking closer towards... Um, An arm goes up to try to stop Debbie from going Buttercup forward. backs away. Buttercup is, is is seemingly unarmed. Like, Buttercup is just, like, you, you look at them, they look like a scientist. They are not a dangerous person. Mavis says, I know where the sample is. Give it to me. I need to update the, the swarm. Only if you let my family go. I can't do that. I have forgotten where the sample is. We mean no harm. We really legitimately stumbled upon this place. And we would just like to leave and go back to our families. Let me tell you a little bit about mine. I have a couple of sons. My oldest, Jerry. Ugh. It breaks my heart. He just still doesn't live at home. It really breaks my heart. And then I have another son, Terry. You might say, those names are close. And I I do that for a reason. <laughs> I have trouble with my memory. Buttercup is just stone-faced. Buttercup doesn't care. Buttercup says, you can't know about this. Do you understand no, what you've done? We are very, very good at keeping secrets. That isn't good enough. Are you employees? Define employees. Do our suits have labels on them? So you're contractors. Very loyal contractors. Contractors can't keep us. We secret. work in insurance, okay? We have nothing to do with this. We work in insurance adjustments. Just on a routine trip. If you just kindly let us go back on our way, we were just uh, answering a potential call for help. Um, it is at this moment a beeping starts. Uh, intermittent sort of beep. Mavis starts to walk. The beacon bot starts to walk towards... Buttercup. Buttercup stands their ground. Okay. Uh, Mavis is going to try to, if possible, just shoulder Buttercup out of the way and push the button that Buttercup pushed. 
Sure. Yeah. You uh, you shoulder Buttercup out of the way. Buttercup stumbles and sort of moves away from Mavis, and Mavis tries to push the button, but it's it's depressed and will not undepress. It is very clearly a panic button. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you three are trapped down here, and you don't know what that button is doing, but it is beeping. Mavis uh, tries to enter back into the local computer system. Yes. That's here th- that they were just in. Yes, it is now locked down. Oh, so it's like jumping into, like, a closet. Yes. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, now, what have you gone and done? Is this counting down to something? That beeping is the sound of reinforcements arriving at the spaceport. I can hear... We, we, the spaceport, I can hear. I can hear... It, it beeps when someone lands. I thought the delivery was coming, which is why I was behind the machine. Can I ask you a question? Yes. So... We're not supposed to know about this. Yes. But, and we don't know about it, really. But how do you feel about whatever this is? I don't feel any way. This is my job. And we were doing the same thing, our jobs. Yes. Mavis hears Buttercup say that the alarm is the alert for people arriving at the spaceport and remembers that they made an explicit decision to not put the ship in low orbit, that they decided to leave it on the landing bay. And Mavis checks, uh, Mavis goes back from the local computer system into the beacon and checks to see whether or not the connection to the ship is still at 100%. The answer is yes. Mavis leaves the beacon bot for a minute and goes back to the ship thinking that they only have a very short amount of time, perhaps, to save the ship and their job to try to put it into low orbit before whoever it is is coming shows up. If that puts it far away so that they can't get back into the beacon bot, we'll solve that problem later. Yeah. So Mavis, you hop into the ship. You start the ship and you look to see if the airspace is clear for you to jump into low planet orbit. Um, And it's not. There's a net of ships descending and you can tell it's just whatever Kintsugi ships were in the area. So you can't go up, but you can go forward. I mean, yeah, let's, I do not want the ship to explode. (laughs) So um, momentarily, Mavis just jumps back to the beacon bot when they see that there is connection and they're like, hey, um," (laughs) and they say, I'll be right back. And then the beacon bot shuts down again. Mavis is back in the secret rumor and Mavis just books it to like one side of the city thinking, you know, I'll maybe I'll be able to get ahead of the pursuers and hide the ship somewhere clever where they won't like I'll get out of sight and then, you know, find some brush or something. I don't know. Great. Fantastic. All right. Should I roll pilot or does it? Yeah. You know what? Roll pilot. Okay. Do you think agility or intelligence? Uh, absolutely agility. What? <laughs> yeah, that sounds right to me. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. Love. I got a nine. That's a mixed success. <laughs> you gun the ship. You are flying well. You're flying between buildings, etc. But yeah, you. There's just one turn that you. It's you. You are stressed, even though you're a robot. I mean, Mavis is a personality yeah, exactly. module, but so the, the point is that they're, you know, I sort of, you can empathize, they can empathize. Yeah, but you're, you're stressed, you're feeling the heat of the pursuers, you're feeling that, like, your, your friends are in danger, and you just beef a turn. And uh, one of the fins of the ship uh, hits a building, ah. and it doesn't do any real damage to the ship, really, but it does send the ship sort of tumbling toward Conifer and Debbie. Like, you are on a crash course... For the building. Conifer is like uh, just kind of mumbling over to Debbie. What do you think Mavis is doing right now? I I don't know. I know. I'm a little worried about this. Uh, the beeping stops. Oh. And the uh, roll gates retract. Got company. You hear the elevator moving. And in front of you are a mot- just a motley crew. It's like it's not that many people. It's like seven, ten people just 10 people um mercenaries you recognize two of them actually you recognize damon and irina oh hello there hello fancy oh, seeing you it's here our friends damon looks apologetic uh he's like i didn't i heard there were intruders they said they just said go to the these coordinates and do your job i think th- this is just a big misunderstanding i'm i'm sorry but i don't 
think it is. And Arena says, fucked at this moment. <laughs> Mavis's decisions uh, become obvious. Uh, Mavis, you tried to take a circuitous route away from the spaceport, which is why this took so long and why they were able to catch up or whatever, because they were not walking. They were on bikes and shit. But yes, it is at this very moment that you've, you've lost control. You're, and the, uh, the secret rumor crashes into the basement of this building. Oh, not so secret anymore. I think, like, the ship, you know, Mavis does everything that they can to right course, but it's just, you know, Mavis is a mining aggregate network command module, not like a fancy fighter pilot. You know, they can make moves, but not these moves. And just, yeah, like, the impact is unavoidable. And... When the secret rumor crashes into the facility, you all at the bottom feel a rumble, and then the ceiling of the place that you are in collapses. You see the nose of a very familiar ship, and you hear just, like, absolute mechanical carnage as the ship itself uh, crunches, gets totaled. Do you see the mega cargo bay on the back open and all of the parts of the beacon bots like spilling out uh, just, you know, body parts and separated wires and everything? And in the last moment uh, before uh, the ship is destroyed, you see the lights turn off. Uh, Mavis is, jumps into the, the last... Well, I mean, is the last beacon bot still standing? Can they jump into that one that they left? Um, Yeah. Yeah, because you guys, because okay. Buttercup was on one side of the room. You guys were on the other side of the room. Um, I should probably roll to see if Buttercup actually survived. Whatever happens, Mavis d- is able to jump into the last surviving beacon bot that is the one that Debbie was riding all afternoon. Yes. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll to see see how many people got murked by this uh, unexpected mm-hmm. fucking explosion. Yeah. That's two. Um I think Buttercup is just too close. The ship comes in right above the panic button and uh, Buttercup uh, wilts. And uh, there's a spray of debris from the ceiling and it just smacks the shit. The brunt of it hits one one of these mercenaries and they, or company employees, in fact, and they just fall. You don't know if they're dead or not. They don't know if they're dead or not. They're just there. The other thing that happens is a fire starts. But I'm also going to roll to see if the cylinder, the big boy, was cracked. Oh, oh shit. Oh, no. So, but the thing is, again, you know, this. you are all very aware of this at this point. Like, the, yeah. the nanobots yeah. only affect biological life, and they are also, they need to be controlled by somebody. They're mm-hmm. very bad news. Let's see. I have some bad news for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Of course. So, the ship comes down. A bunch of the rocks, there's a Spray of rocks as it the, the the hull just fucking breaks through all this concrete and shit. And uh, just the smallest, like a, a spray of debris hits the cylinder as all this stuff happens. And just the smallest crack appears in in the cylinder, and uh, some of the liquid just starts spraying out. Just a tiny hole, yeah. just a little one. Conifer has been covering his head, uh, but slightly uh, looks up to see this crack and he goes oh no oh no debbie we need to get out of here oh 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 but okay but what what we, we can't leave without we can't leave without mavis mavis you still here yeah the face the reflective face of the beacon bot uh turns on and all of the readouts and dials and stuff pop up which is the sign that it's been occupied uh and the the mechanical voice says present what were you thinking I, I was thinking that I would make the ship safe, and I was not a good enough pilot. Well, you made a right mess of this. Sorry. The liquid is just spe- is spraying out of this, because it's, it's like a small crack, so it's very high pressure. It's just... Conover wants to help Debbie get up so they can start making a run for it. We gotta get out of here. Mavis in the beacon bot says, yes, you do. And you see the face of the beacon bot go blank. And then you see Mavis's eyes pop up again on the little computer system. And for one second, their eyes pop up inside your heads-up display again. And you hear the familiar voice say, 
you have to go. You have to go right now. The nanobots will will hurt you, and I can make sure that they don't get turned on from the computer. What What do you mean? What do you have to do? I don't know if any of these people are going to try to turn them on, but they don't seem nice, and I'm going to make sure that they can't. Oh, okay. But and then we'll come back for you. Um. Yeah. Come on, Debbie. Debbie, knowing that they aren't going to come back for Mavis, but can't bear the idea of acknowledging that, like, okay, be well. And Conifer, before uh, Mavis jumps over, says, proud of you, kid. Debbie said, you don't have to like your family. You do have to die for them. And I want you guys to know that I'm going to do this. Also like you. So you guys are you're talking as you're running. Um, the mercenaries are all running too. They're all they know what the fuck that shit is. They're they're mm-hmm. they are booking it back towards their ships, going through the hole. They're just getting out as fast as they can. Yeah, we're scrambling up the hole toward that spare ship that we found. If it's still intact, it was on the other side of the building. You now know this is Buttercup's ship. We book it toward Buttercup. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you've already renamed it and stolen it. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get into this Jerry Jr. Great. Yeah, the Jerry Jr. opens up for you. You don't know if you're infected. This is not something you could find out till you know, it's too late. Um, neither does anybody else. Everyone is just getting the fuck out of here. And the person with the keys is the robot that is inside the computer. Meanwhile, Mavis inside the computer sees the global network that the system is connected to, all of these incoming messages that say, test protocol begin, test protocol begin, and they are just swatting them away one by one, just hundreds of them incoming from somewhere else in the universe. Test protocol begin, wapow! Test protocol begin, wapow! And there appears to be no end in sight. Yeah, so uh, here's what happens. Uh, The mercenaries, they're gone. They are long gone. You guys are in your ship. You take off. You know you can't go, like, between, like, star systems or galaxies or whatever. Yeah. But we we can... You're a spaceship motorcycle. You can get the fuck out of here, though. We can at least get far enough away. Yeah. But we're looking back at the city, I think. Yeah, and when you look back, you see a, a beautiful sunset. And then an explosion. Everything else, all the beacon bots have caught fire and the batteries have expanded enough that... Ooh, buddy, you're going to have a bad time. But yeah, the facility goes up in flames. Mavis. Conifer taps his display. Mavis, can you read us? Mavis. Mavis, do you copy? Mavis, we need you to get home. We're going to take you home. Just before you leave the range of the radio of the planet, you swear, like, the moment you see the explosion, or just after... You get a ping in your heads up, and it's an image. It's a photo, and it is of the two of you, uh, and it's a photo that you recognize, like one that uh, you both took uh, on the last mission while Mavis was uh, doing all of the work, and you were on the asteroid belt, you know, just kind of goofing off, to be honest. And it's, it's basically like a space selfie with the two of you in beautiful space in the background. And the two of you, your heads are close together and you're smiling. And you can see Debbie's tablet that she plays games on. Conifer is holding up his newly sharpened knife and floating next to you uh, in space that has been sort of made and, and cleared are just two little eyeballs floating, cartoonish eyes that have been just composited onto this photo. Oh. 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 And in the bottom, a small heart, and then the year. Oh. Mavis, do you read us?
This episode of Fun City, Precious Cargo was recorded in various locations across Brooklyn and Los Angeles. The players, Jen De La Vega as Conifer Pine. You can find her online at Randwitches. Shannon O'Dell as Debbie. You can find her on Twitter as Shodell. And Mike Rugnetta as Mavis. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram as Mike Rugnetta. Our show was edited and sound designed by Sam Grant and mixed and mastered by Mike Rugnetta. Music by Zaid Maxwell as Oscillator Bug. You can find him on Bandcamp at oscillatorbug.bandcamp.com under Zaid Maxwell on the Volatus Records Bandcamp page and wherever you stream music. Additional music by TJ Tambellini as Topian Zome. You can find him on the Volatus Records Bandcamp page at volatus.bandcamp.com. Pixel Riffs is a homing beacon in a sea of sorrow. And finally, this game of Offworlders was produced and GM'd by me, Bijan Steven. You can find me on Twitter at Bijan Steven or on Instagram as Bijan Cakes. Okay, that's all for now. See you next time.